Tonight I'm going to be preaching from Nehemiah chapter 12, and there's a lot in there about thankfulness, and they're doing a lot of thanking in this chapter. And it's over the dedication of the wall that God has allowed them to build. It was a miracle what God allowed them to do against all odds with this little remnant and all the people that were against them to stop the work. And yet they did what God wanted them to do and finished it. There are seven different dedications in the Bible that I can find. We'll see that in verse 27 of Nehemiah 12. It says at the dedication of the wall. You see that? That's what we're preaching about tonight. The dedication of the wall. Now Ezra had dedicated the house of God in Ezra chapter 6, years before this, and now they're dedicating the wall. In the Bible there was also a dedication of the altar of God on two occasions, number 7, 2 Chronicles 7. The Bible speaks about a man dedicating his house to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 verse 5, what a good message that would be, just dedicating your house. The Bible speaks of the dedication of the testament in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 18. We read of a bad dedication, the dedication of an image. In Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, that's a type of that Antichrist will set up his image. They dedicated that image and had that big party, that big celebration. Something similar is mentioned in chapter 17 of the book of Judges, dedicating an image, an idol that was made for a, a family member. And then throughout the Bible, you'll find many verses that talk about how people dedicated money or things to God. They, God had blessed them so, it could have been the king or something, couldn't, could have been anybody. But in the blessing of life, they, they dedicated some things to God and gave them to him from the dedication of their heart. You know, we as a church, you know, sometimes we'll have... We'll have somebody bring a, a child up, and we'll have a baby dedication. And I always pray that those things have some type of meaning for people. It's not just something that we go through or we do, but it's really a dedication. That's a good word, dedication, isn't it? It's a word not often used because it's not often lived, I, I assume. But the Bible says in verse number 27, and I tell you what I'm going to do, I'll give you homework tonight. Your homework tonight is go home and read Nehemiah 12 and get all these names. How about that? Is that good? Is that good homework? How many of you will do your homework? Will you hold your hand up. We'll see how many rebels we got in the church now. All right. And uh, I'll let you do that tonight. But verse number 27, the Bible says in Nehemiah 12... And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. I don't know that we'll do that when we dedicate our building, if God lets us get it done and all that, but that would be proper. I don't know what we'll do, but 
It's a good thing to dedicate things to God. If you'll drop down a little bit now, what happens is, and I've preached on this, I noticed that years ago when I first got here, it was in December of, of 2016, 2017, I preached a message on the Thanksgiving parade. And I preached out of this text. This is really a parade. I, I want you to see that. I'm not going to re-preach the same message, but look at verse 31. The Bible, Nehemiah is talking here. He says, then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall. And appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. Whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. And after them went Hoshai and half of the prince of Judah. And he starts mentioning all these people that are following them. Half of the people, two different companies he, he appoints. Look at verse 38. And the other company of them that gave thanks, went over against them. That means on the other side. So he brings all this multitude of people up on the wall. You know you got a big wall, amen, when you can march on the wall. By the way, the Bible that's one of the great miracles of the walls of Jericho falling down. Rahab was spared, and she was living on the wall. Isn't that, isn't that good preaching? The wall fell down flat, but her piece didn't fall down. Can you imagine they're looking at that day and all that wall's falling flat and there's one little piece with Rahab and her house. There's no way you couldn't step back and say, look at God. Look at what God did. Look how powerful and wonderful the Lord is. So this wall's big enough for them to get two big companies and he's going to send one of them one direction and one the other direction and they're going to, go, they're going to encompass all the city and all the gates as they go on the opposite sides. And they're going to meet together. Just, just keep reading there where we were in verse number 38. And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them. And I after them and half of the people upon the wall from beyond the tower of the furnaces. Even unto the broad wall. And from above the gate of Ephraim and above the old gate and above the fish gate and the tower. We went through all these gates. They're just they're compassing all of them. Verse number 40. So stood the two companies of them that gave Thanks in the house of God and I and the half of the rulers. Wonderful thing. They have this big parade. They have this big march. Half of them go one direction. Half of them go the other direction. And they all meet at the house of God. And as they're going along, they're singing and having much joy and gladness in their hearts. Look at verse number 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. Look at it now. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced. I wonder why God put that in there like that. You know, it's not just for the men to have a good time with God. He takes note of the women have rejoicing. The wives. He takes note of the children rejoicing. He's wanting everybody. You know, there's just something missing when just some of the people are rejoicing. There's something missing when in the house there's just one party or, or one spouse rejoicing or maybe the parents are and the children are or the children are and the parents are. God wants everybody to be rejoicing. That's what's going on right here. The wives also and the children rejoiced. Watch it. Watch it now. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar. 
the testimony of the joy of the people of God went farther than Jerusalem. And tonight as we look at this passage of dedicating the wall, I want to talk to you again about joy, though we talked about that back in chapter 8. But if we want to reach our world, if we want to reach our neighbors, if we want to reach our family, the joy needs to be heard afar off. In this wonderful Thanksgiving celebration and all the noise and all the praise and all this joy that's being heard, I say the world will never hear of our joy if several things aren't true about our lives that were true about this chapter. The first one, would you see verse 27 again, and at the dedication of the wall. Can I say this? There's joy in dedication. You know why some people never have joy? They're not dedicated. Are, are, are you listening to me? They're not committed. You know, you can't have real joy in your life just playing around with God and getting one toe in and half of a foot into the things of God. You know why you'll never be filled with joy in the Christian life? Uh, you'll never be filled with it until you get dedicated. This joy is because of the dedication. You see that in the, in the chapter. No dedication... No parade, no dedication, no uh, singing and rejoicing and thanking and joy. No dedication and no joy heard afar off. And, and I, I tell you, I tell you what the what the devil does in your life because I know he does it in my life. He tries to chip away at your dedication, and he won't tell you this. But if he can chip away at your dedication, he'll chip away at your joy. Because the deeper you get in to committed to God, the more joy you'll be able to find. And when you start stepping back from your heart, you, you don't have to step back sometimes on the outward. You can just step back from it. We, we've, got, we've got a wonderful church. We've got people that come to church faithfully. We've got a full house usually all the time, and that's great. But you can do that and still not be dedicated. Dedication is such a, a serious word. So I'm asking you a question. Are you dedicated to God? Do you know that this building of this wall, a lot of tears were shed? A lot of fears were had. A lot of struggle occurred. A lot of opposition. A lot of work. A lot of problems. How many of you have been with us as we've been through this chapter? They had problems with the heathen. They had problems among themselves. They had just problems of life. But they, in chapter 12, they're still dedicating. And that's what... Here's what happens. Sometimes people check out before the joy can be had. Weeping may endure for, for a night, but joy cometh when? Not in the night. I think some people don't ever get to the morning because their dedication is too shallow. I'm not minimizing struggles and problems. I mean, guys, in this book, they were at fear for their lives. They were threatened with their very lives. Their families were threatened. And the dedication of these people 
to stay at the work and be faithful to God and do what God wanted them to do. Dedication resulted in great joy and great victory and great thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, church, and the devil don't want you to hear this, but when you have no commitment, you'll never realize joy in your life. You know what I noticed? These sports teams, these sports teams, the, the, the ones that win, you know, the prize, the national championship or the Super Bowl or they get the gold medal or whatever, and they're so happy. Have you, have you ever seen somebody win a championship and they get up there and they just said, this is a bad day? I mean, they're so happy. They're so joyful. They say stupid stuff. They're throwing confetti, right? They're thanking everybody in the world. Let me ask you a question. You think anybody ever got one of those trophies? Got one of those victories without a whole lot of dedication? How much dedication goes into an Olympic swimmer to win a gold medal? You think they just do it when they feel like it? Do you think those weightlifters that win, win all those gold medals, you think that, that, uh, that you think they don't ever have bad days? Do you think they ever just take a month off and say, you know, this is too hard? Do you, think, uh, do you think the coach comes in and says, you know, uh, we've got practice today, but, you know, I know some of y'all are struggling, so we're not going to have practice for two weeks. Do you think that ever happens? Do you think any of those young kids playing those sports teams, do, do you think they have any problems? I'm talking about people that don't even know God. Are you listening to me? You think any of their grandparents die or their parents die? I mean, some of them have such messed up lives. They get in college. Some of them got two or three kids already. Is that not right? Some of them go, go through all type of family problems. They go through physical problems. They go through heartache. But, you know, they never go in there and say, I tell you what, let, let's, just, let's just take the month off. You know why? They're dedicated. It doesn't matter how much they hurt, it doesn't matter what they're, they're going to be on the practice field. And listen, that's why when they get to that platform and they win the prize, all the joy comes out. There is no joy without dedication. Why do you think you can have joy in your Christian life without being dedicated? Am I, am I preaching all right tonight? Is, is this okay? The level of, how about this? The level of your commitment might determine the level of your joy with God. People don't live that way, though. They want to continually back away from the things of God and wonder why they don't have joy. These are not people that are, that are free of problems. These are people that, that have struggled. These are people that, that, that have a, had a harder life than what we're living today. They're few. They're despised, but they were dedicated and they are just having a time. I say there's joy in dedication. Something missing in your life? Why don't you get a little more dedicated? Dedicated to what? Well, a lot of things you get dedicated to church attendance. You can get dedicated to reading your Bible more. You can get dedicated to your prayer life more. You could get dedicated to telling people about Jesus. You could have a dedication in your life to, to live a, a life that's more pleasing to the Lord. Dedication. There's joy in dedication. I'll give you a second thing tonight. Would you look at verse number 30? 
And the priests and the Levites, what's that next word? Purified themselves. And what's the next word again? Purified the people. Now, this is, this is one I don't get. And the gates. And the wall. The priests are purified, the Levites are purified, the people are purified, the gates are purified, even the walls purified. I have a hard time keeping my car purified, let alone a wall. You know, not, not too many people want to purify the wall. Why are you going to purify the wall? They're just going to be a pigeon to come by and... Can you imagine how dirty a wall gets? That's out in the open air. Can you imagine all the dust? Can you imagine all the dirt? Can you imagine all the animals? And they say, I'll tell you what, if we're going to have this joy fest going on, we need to clean everything up. Need to clean me. Need you to get clean. We're going to clean the gates. We're going to spit spot shine the gates up. Amen. And then we, let's just clean the wall too. Let's purify everything. I say this. You want to have joy? There's joy in dedication. There's joy in purification. Do you know you'll never have joy with filth in your life? Try it. You might have it for a weekend, but it'll stop. There is no joy in filthiness. There's no joy in sin. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but there's no joy in it. You want to have real joy? Why don't you just get as clean as you can get? Get clean as a pen. Amen. Amen. Have, you, have, you ever got a, have you ever taken a shower and then said, you know, I'm just going to take a second shower? <laughs> have you ever got so clean that you just squeaked? <laughs> you know, you need to be doing that in, in your Christian life. Now, now listen, I'm not God, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but this is what I know as your pastor. There are people that come in this church week after week and you're not clean. There's something in your life that's not clean. Maybe in your brain, it may be in your mouth, maybe in the quietness of your home, but there's something. You know why? I, I'll tell you why. Because people that are, that are clean and pure, they come in with joy. Because there's just some joy about being clean. And there's something that always hangs over your head if you're not. You said, Preacher, what is it? I tell you what, that, that's, that's what you're supposed to talk to God about. There's probably, there are probably some things that need to be purified in your life, some places of the wall of your heart and mind and that need to be scrubbed in your family. Well, why don't you quit overlooking it? Because all you're doing is robbing yourself of joy. You're stealing joy from yourself by not purifying yourself. That's why God wants us to get clean. That's why we examine our hearts. Guys, is there anybody that would stand up here tonight and say, Preacher, I tell you what, I'm, I'm so spick and spot clean. You couldn't find nothing if you had a microscope or a telescope. I'm all clean all through and through. I'd love to believe that about everybody in here, but I don't believe that. But we can get clean because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't matter what your problem is. He can make you clean. You ever take anything out of the washing machine that you cleaned? 
Maybe it was a garment or something. You put it on and you're putting it on and it just came out of the washer and there's something wrong with it. I've done that. My, my wife's even brought a shirt from the cleaners before, you know, a, a nice dress shirt and, and sent it and got it cleaned and all that and pressed. And, and, and here it is. And, and I take it out of the wrapper and, oh, it's so pretty, you know, and everything's pressed right. And I, I get it and I, and I put it on, slip it on. And right there on my sleeve, there's a mark. You know, sometimes we try to get clean, but sometimes we've got to run that through again. You want to have joy in your life? Why don't you get clean? I know, I, I know what the devil says. The devil says, no, the reason I don't have joy is because of him and her and this and that and the other thing. Why, why don't we just go through the steps and say, how dedicated am I and how purified am I? Because there is no joy in a sinful life. And I'll tell you something else too. There's no joy in the self-life. All sin is not drunkenness and and uh, pornography and fornication. Some sin is just self. You know self is just as wicked a thing to get involved in as any other thing in your life. The self-life is a sinful life. And there is no joy in the self-life. Just misery and pain. We can look at a, a hundred people that that would be true about. But don't let that be true about you. Have a selfless life. Have a Christ-like life. And you'll have joy. You'll have the joy of Jesus in your life. But sin is not just the wicked things you see in others. Sin is, is yourself taking precedence in your life. And it's robbing you of joy. A lot of times our joy too, you know, it's just skin deep. Our our purification is because our purification is just skin deep. We we just get we, we we clean the surface, but there's a lot of dirt below that. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to have real deep, real joy, you need to have some deep cleaning, and instead of just a lick and a prayer. There's joy in dedication. There's joy in purification. And then I see something else. And this is a little strange, but it's in the Bible. I'll read it to you. Verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them (laughs) rejoice with great joy. God made them rejoice. Do you find that strange? Here's a guy walking along. He, maybe he's had a hard day and all of a sudden he just, Whoa! Glory to God! What happened? I, I don't know, but I didn't feel like it, but something just made me say that. Am I reading the Bible? Does it say God made them? He made them rejoice. I like what that prodigal son, he was praying and he'd come back to his father and he said, Make me! As one of thy higher servants. Don't let me choose it. You just make me God. Make me Father what I need to be. Wouldn't it be good if we let God just make us rejoice? He'd fill us so that He'd just come out of our mouth and come out of our heart. Isn't that exactly what He said in chapter 8 of this, of this book that we studied? The joy of the what? The Lord is your strength. You know, the Lord can take His joy and stick it down in you and make you rejoice. You don't have any, but he's, he's got it all anyway. So if he puts it down in you, you rejoice. 
He made them rejoice. That's the only, guys, that is the only way under heaven that we could ever believe what the Bible said in Philippians 4, that, that we can rejoice in the Lord always. That's not written to people that don't have any problems. How can I do that? Well, God's just going to put it in me. God can make you rejoice, but he, he can't make you rejoice against your will. You've got to at least have an open heart. Do you have an open heart? If God wanted to take you tonight and get you alone somewhere and just have you rejoice and praise Him and glorify His name, would you be open to that? God doesn't make people do things against their will, but He will cause them to rejoice when maybe in themselves they have no cause to rejoice. God made them rejoice with great joy. The joy he puts there is what needs to go afar off to others. And guys, we're not spiritual if we don't have a lot of joy. I don't care how many standards you have. If you don't have any joy, nobody wants what you've got. Including your own family. And the best thing a mother could do for her children is have joy. I haven't thought that statement through, but I think I needed to say that. And maybe the best thing a dad could do for his, his children, his wife, his family is to have joy. And it's not yours, it's his. It's God. So they'll see God. So they'll know God. So they'll know how wonderful the Lord is. It's not all about you and me. It's not all about what's going on in life. It's about the Lord. And I think seated at the right hand of God tonight, I know all the, the burdens He bears and all the intercessions that He does for all of us, but He's seated at the right hand of the Father tonight, and I don't think He's crying bitter tears. I think there's joy that's set before Him. And I think He, I think he rejoices over us. With, with all of our failures and with everything He sees. How's my children? How in the world could you be happy with that kind of children? Well, you got to be like the Lord, you see. How could you have joy with that kind of a We've got to be like the Lord. I'm not saying there's not hardships. I'm just saying we need to open our hearts and let God put joy there. If we're in a prison house, guys, this is going to be so necessary. And I told you that way, priest, before. I don't know what's going to happen in America. I don't know what's going to happen in your life. But but I I know, I know it's not going to be a, a bumpless ride to glory. And we might as well get some, let God put some of this deep down in our hearts. Well, joy is found in dedication. Joy is found in purification. Joy is just found in the Lord. Just in the Lord. And then let's back up and start at verse number 8. He said in Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse number 8, Moreover, the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Madaniah, which was over the what? The thanksgiving. They had, they had organized thanksgiving. Look at verse 24. 
Verse 24, And the chief of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherebiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brethren over against them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God. Look at how many times this word is used. Verse 27, At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with symbols, psalteries, and with harps. Verse number 31. Then I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies of them that gave thanks. There it is again. Verse 40. So the two companies of them that gave thanks. Verse 46. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. There is joy in thankfulness. There is joy in music. No, 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 don't, don't get it turned around. Maybe you need to start thanking and then the joy will come after the thanking. The great joy that was heard afar off was after all these people were marching on this wall. Well, thank you, God. Thank you, this wall's built. Thank you, God, that I had the strength to do it and I didn't kill myself while we were working on the wall. And thank you, Lord, for my family and thank you for my wife that that, that let me stay up here and work long hours on this wall. Amen. And thank you, dear God, that those people didn't kill us and said they were going to kill us. And thank you, God, that we've got a place now that we can worship you together. And thank you, Lord, for all these people as I'm walking and as I'm marching on this wall, I see a whole other group of people on the other side. And thank you for them over there that are thanking you over there and I'm thanking you right here and the more they thanked and the more they thanked and the more they thanked the joy just started to grow you know what the opposite of that is you don't know what I have to live with My life's rough. I'm mistreated. I'm a victim. I got a bum rap in life. Things aren't going my way. You just don't know my problems. Let me tell you about my struggles. This is bad in my life. And this is hard in my life. And this is a struggle in my life. And I don't appreciate this. And I don't appreciate how this is coming to my life. And why didn't God answer this prayer? And why is this so difficult? And over and over again. If you're not careful, that will just encompass your life. And there'll never be an ounce of joy ever in your heart. Instead of in the midst of all that. Thank you, Lord, that my name's written in heaven. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for caring about me enough that you gave me your word. Thank you for a church family and thank you for the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. You've been so good to me, Lord. Somebody asked me today how I was doing. You know, I I think they were asking about my health. I said, I tell you what, I'm doing better than I deserve. Wouldn't that be a a better attitude? And I I just want to thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for His goodness. That's how I started this morning. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He is good. 
maybe, just maybe, all those things that are put on social media, all those things that are spoken on the phone and spoken to others and told other people, if we'd spend that time thanking God, maybe our life would be filled with more joy instead of misery. I'm just saying, I'm looking at the Bible. The great joy was not heard afar off until all this thanks got all the way around it. And you know where thankful people wind up? They wind up at the house of God. That's where they met right there in verse number 40. They met together in the house of God. You know what I've noticed? You know what, th- you know what unthankful people do? They get out of church. You know why you ought to be faithful to church? Just because you're thankful you're saved. You, you don't even have to have a reason. We've got a commandment for it, but thankful people want to stay in church just to give Him a little praise. Just to give Him something back for what He's given in their life. How thankful are you tonight? Maybe that's the measure of your joy. That's why I sang that, what I sang tonight. I can see that old man singing that. His boy dropped dead of a heart attack about 40 years old. He struggled with that the rest of his life. God brought me into his life there. and I was his helper till he died. With all that pain, though, he'd get up there and sing that song. Had strokes. There's joy in thankfulness. There's joy in music. He said in verse 36, And his brethren, Shimei and Azarel, Malaliah, there's another one of them tongue-speaking words, Gilaliah, Mei, Nathaniel, and Judah, Hananiah, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. David made musical instruments just to praise the Lord with. The Bible says in verse number 27 that we've already read at the end of the verse, it says both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. All the, these instruments are helping their thanksgiving, you see. And the Bible says in verse number, where is it? I'm looking for verse 42. And Maaseah and Shimei and Eliezer and Uzziah and Johanan and Malchaj and Elam and Ezer. And the singer sang loud. Why did he put that in there? He's talking about all these people. He said, hey, the singer sang loud. I want you to know that the singer sang. God wanted you to know that the singer sang loud. You know why? Because when there's a whole bunch of joy, it comes out a little stronger. Don't we like getting around in camp and man, it gets on and it just gets louder and louder and there's joy in that room. But I tell you what, it's not a bunch of old dead Southern Baptist or Methodist singing hymns. Praise God from whom all things flow. They sang loud. Now they weren't screaming. There's a difference between screaming and singing. But they sang loud. You know why you probably don't sing loud? Should I tell you? Should I tell them? You ain't got enough joy. Oh, 
Or are you just so proud you don't want to hear anybody hear you sing? I'd call his name right now. I pastored a guy out in Virginia. He couldn't carry a tune in the bucket. He couldn't even carry the bucket. It was painful. I mean, he was monotone. He, he, he didn't even know how to inflect his voice. He, did, he couldn't do a high note or a low note. It's just everything's like this. He didn't know. He couldn't hear it. I never get sitting down on the front row. We were having a special meeting one time. And he was sitting there. He said, preacher may not want to sit next to me. So close. I said, why, brother? He said, I don't sing real good. But he said, I want to give it my best. <laughs> so you might want to just scoot down the row. I said, oh, don't worry about it. And the more it got on, I, I understood what he was saying. <laughs> I was having a hard time carrying the tune. <laughs> but he was singing. You know, we get, I'm not going to pick on you. We get young people up here to sing. You know why they don't sing loud? They ain't got no joy. I was preaching pre- pre- conference with Brother Farley. When was that, last week, week four last, whenever it was. And we were eating, and they have a Christian school. And the administrator, we were eating lunch that day, all the missionaries and stuff. And uh, the administrator coming, he said, Brother Farley, he said, Pastor Farley, could, could we, could all of the, 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 the young people sing for y'all here as you're eating, eating your lunch today? And Brother Farley said, sure. So they all got up, and, and there's a bunch of them. And they were teenagers, and they started singing, and I thought it was great. But they started singing this song, What a Meeting, in there. You remember that? What a meeting. You know, the, the sopranos hit that at the end. What a meeting in the air. And so they sung the song, but when they got to that what a meeting, those little girls said, what a meeting. Because it was high and it was me stepping out there and brother farley he couldn't take it anymore he put his fork down he went over there he said y'all sing that again and when you sing that what a meeting sing it out what a meeting do it again so they did it and he got right to it and they started to sing what a meeting he said get on it get on it (laughs) scared those curls to death but you know what will help that? Joy. You know at stadiums and at concerts, they sing so loud they can't even hear themselves. And they don't even have anything real. It's just a bunch of wickedness. And here we got the goods. Amen. I wonder what you would do If I said, all right, let's line up. Half of you get on this side of the church. The other half get on the other side. And we're going to march all the way around the building. Some of you are getting nervous right now. You're getting nervous. Because you know I'm so unpredictable. See, it's easy to preach a message and you just sit there and make absolutely no application to what I'm saying. This really happened. Get up on that wall and stop saying That's what he told him to do. You know what? It wasn't just symbols. It was trumpets. Verse 35. Certain of the priests' sons with trumpets. Verse 41, the same thing. 
At the end of the verse, with trumpets. They're playing trumpets. They're banging cymbals. They're singing loud. They're saying, well, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus, for this wall. Thank you what you've done. You're a great God. And they're just hanging out on both sides just walking around. And we got more than they got. We got a lot more than they've got. We've got the eternal security of God and the Holy Ghost in our soul. We're in the body of Jesus. And can't get a holy grown out of people. Why? No joy. Depressed people don't sing good songs. You said, preacher, I can't sing. Let somebody sing to you. You ever got there? You couldn't sing? Let somebody sing to you. Don't stop the music. Don't stop the song of the Lord. Let it minister to your heart until you can sing. And maybe one day I won't have a song to minister to you like I tried to do tonight. But maybe one day I'll be sitting there and you can get up here and sing a song to me and minister to my heart. But don't stop the music. Don't stop the song. Don't stop the thanksgiving. There's joy in dedication. There's joy in purification. There's joy in the Lord. There's joy and thankfulness in music. In verse 43, and I'm finished. And that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy, the wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. There's joy in giving. They brought great sacrifices in that house of the Lord as an outreach of the joy that was in their heart. When the tabernacle was dedicated and when the temple was dedicated, they brought in with great joy all these gifts to God. The Bible even said the first testament was not dedicated without blood. You listen to me. No blood, no sacrifice, no dedication, no dedication, no joy. The giving of that blood brought joy to those Old Testament saints because they knew that that day of atonement and those things of their life, of the nation, that had been not right, that God looked upon the blood and would pass over. And when the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us, what a gift. There was never a gift like the Savior given, no, not one. And that great sacrifice of his blood is what has brought joy in my heart. And I would say to you tonight, if you're a taker and not a giver, you'll never have a good joy. Joy is in giving, it's not receiving. It's more blessed to what? Give. I'm not just talking about your money. 
talking about your life and your time. Give of yourself. Oh, sometimes the easiest thing, not for some people, but the easiest thing is to give you money. It's another thing to give your time and yourself. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, just as sure as I'm standing here, the more you hold out on giving of yourself, the more you rob yourself of the joys of life.